Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one immoldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, folks, today we're going to get started and we're talking about grief. Now, most people don't like to talk about it or acknowledge it, nor really even express it, but like it or not, it affects all of us at some point within our lives. So what is it? The Vines Expository Dictionary describes it as signifying pain of body or mind, things that cause sorrow, a heaviness within. And a dear neighbor in my community recently lost her husband of 50 plus years. And so I'm glad that you're going to be tuning in today to join me as I searched out some of the Bible verses for wisdom that I wanted to share with her. And this is what I uncovered. But first, I'm going to read a poem to you, which comes from my adopted mom who expressed love in action so aptly. And this was uh, slightly not too long before she uh, had an awareness that she was passing or about to pass. So she passed back in the year of 2002. I was left devastated, but as I've come to have a reverential awe and respect and a healthy understanding of Jesus, I am assured someday that I too will be in paradise with her. So this is the poem from my mom. It says, For Pat and Pam, with all my love from mom, it seems like only yesterday you came to live with me and brought a joy into my life I never dreamed could be. I watched you grow and learn and live and hoped that I was there to give all the love I had to share to let you know how much I care. For though you are not of my blood and bone, you are the only children I can always call my own. And then one day I blinked and found that you had grown away to start a family of your own and love them day by day. I also want to let you know how proud I am of you. You've both done well, but most of all, stand straight and tall and true. You have such kindness in your hearts and thoughtfulness to spare. I see it in you every day and the many ways you share. I guess what I'm getting at may not be very clear, but I just want to say to you how very, very dear you are to my heart in these my final days and how much you've meant to me in so very many ways. Now all I have are memories of the many treasured years we spent together sharing both the laughter and the tears. So thank you for spending time with me and making my life more complete as it was meant to be. There's one last thing I'd like to say. It'll only take a minute. Though you didn't grow under my heart, you surely did grow in it. That was by my mom, Chris Gwinner. 
So such, such an awesome remembrance and joy. And I'm so thankful that she took the time to read that. So jumping into our study of grief, we start out in Genesis chapter 50, verse 1, where Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. And loss is never easy, even when we expect it. We know death is inevitable, so why must it be so hard? Well, I'd argue that death for the Christian sometimes is as nearly as unbearable as it is for the non-believer. But why? It's because when we cherish and love another person in our very core of our being, when they die, a piece of us feels like it's going with them. We're not able to physically journey with them to their new home, so we must fully rely upon God and have faith and trust in the process. And like the cross at Calvary, death is the ultimate equalizer for mankind. No one escapes it. And yet believers have hope. Jesus overcame Satan's greatest weapon against man. And that is that he overcame death. We will be one day reunited with loved ones. While heavenly relationships are not in need of the same earthly requirements, we will fully recognize and glorify and worship our Father together in heaven. So Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am, and you know where I'm going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? But Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So these scripture verses are packed full of the promise of eternity for believers. And Jesus's words show us the way to eternal life. Yes, it is unseen. And yes, we must exercise faith and trust, as I mentioned earlier. But one thing is certain, our future is guaranteed. Our only unsettled issue is deep within ourself and our willingness to believe. Jesus is handling all of the details. So we need not have any fear. And getting back to Joseph, he had good reason to mourn the loss of his father, Jacob. After all, Jacob's 12 sons were the ancestors of the 12 tribes of Israel. The entire nation of Israel came from these very men. And Jacob died at the old age of 147 years old. But Joseph still wept and mourned for months. When someone close to us dies, we need a long period of time to work through our grief. Crying and sharing our feelings with others helps us to recover and go on with life. And it's okay to allow ourselves the freedom to grieve over the loss of a loved one, the loss of what was and the fear of the unknown. We must give ourselves adequate time to complete the grieving process. Slowly, a shift of anticipation for the future will take over. 
And now in this anticipation, we must make sure not to make spiritual vows to God that we are unable to fulfill. Judges chapter 11 verses 34 and 35 tell us about a brilliant military strategist named Jephthah who used his words to deploy action. He was an excellent negotiator, yet he made a rash vow to God that if his army would be shown victory against the Ammonites, then whatever greeted him first out of his house upon returning home, he would sacrifice upon the altar. And it happened to be his beloved daughter. So this ties into our grief because we need to be aware not to attempt to barter or negotiate a trade deal with God for our loved ones. And like Jephthah, this would be the ultimate and unspeakable grief. In the heat of emotion or personal turmoil, it's easy to make promises to God. In fact, to us, they may sound spiritual, yet we clearly miss the mark when we do so, and guilt and frustration are often the end result. And God doesn't want promises for the future. He wants our obedience for today. And many accounts of King David described him as a shepherd, a poet, giant killer, king, ancestor of Jesus, truly one of the greatest men in the Old Testament. He had great faith in God, and God said he was a man after his own heart. And although Saul, it was King Saul at the time, became jealous of David, driving him out of hiding into enemy territory, when David learned of Saul's death, he mourned, wept, and fasted all day. David and his men were visibly shaken and expressed genuine sorrow over the loss of their king. These men were warriors who were not ashamed to grieve over loss. And today, some people try to say showing our emotion is a sign of weakness. I'd argue not showing emotion is a grave weakness. Jesus showed righteous anger or holy and acceptable anger. The challenge becomes to recognize it, express it in a healthy manner, and then move forward. And many people in an attempt to appear strong will try and hide their feelings. But expressing our grief helps us deal with our intense sorrow when someone we love dies. Even Job expressed his emotions. He tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head, fell to the ground before God. He was human after all. He didn't try to hide his overwhelming grief. And Job didn't sin in expressing his emotion. God is the one who gave us this very emotion to express. We all will experience disappointment, heartbreak, or deep loss at some time within our lives. We must admit our feelings to ourselves and others so that we may grieve. And Job acted rightly when he acknowledged God's sovereignty over everything. Like Job, we can prove that our love for God extends beyond what he gives and takes away from our lives. Nehemiah was someone else who wasn't grieving for a person per se. He was grieving for all the people and his ancestors in Jerusalem. He, he is part of the returned exiles, had been home in Jerusalem for many years, yet the walls of the city remained unrepaired, leaving these people vulnerable and defenseless. Nehemiah gave up a comfortable, wealthy position in Persia to exact his organization and leadership abilities in Jerusalem. 
His homeland was fractured with no wall, and he would experience opposition while he grieved, but the project to rebuild the wall remained on track. He would pray, persevere, and sacrifice for God's kingdom. And like Nehemiah, When we spot problems, instead of complaining, griping, or waiting on someone else to fix it, we should step up and do something ourselves when when we're able. And Nehemiah persevered and the building project was completed in record time, 52 days flat. And the city was resettled and protected. So impossible tasks can be accomplished when we're operating within God's will, And we're allowing him to work through us. We honor him and our efforts then become unified. And Job worshiped God, not possessions. Yet at one point, he was overcome with grief and overwhelmed with calamity. He complained about the trials he was enduring, even though he had been living right. Principles he lived by were crumbling along with his perspective. The good news teaches us that trials and grief, no matter temporary or ongoing, do not destroy life's real purpose. Our life was given to us to use in serving and honoring God. It was never meant for our personal fulfillment or happiness. That's where emotions can lead us astray. The worth and meaning of life is not based on what we can feel, but on the one reality no one can ever take away from us, and that's God's love for each and every one of us. Just because God loves us and we're his inheritance doesn't mean we'll not experience suffering. And Jesus asked in the Garden of Gethsemane for the cup of suffering to be taken away from him if it was God's will, and it was not removed. In all of this, we find God's love for us is not able to be measured or limited by the size of our suffering, and nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39 tell us, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as believers, we face many hardships in life. Grief comes in many forms, persecution for our faith, an illness, job loss, and death are just the short list. When we experience grief, it's easy to think Jesus has abandoned us. Paul did a wonderful job, though, in explaining that no matter what, nothing can ever separate us from Jesus. Jesus' death for you and for me is proof of his unconquerable position and love. When we embrace and believe these truths, we no longer need to be afraid. In Christ, we too have the power that raised him from the dead inside each of us, and we may resemble Jesus more than we've ever thought. John chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 tells us that as soon as Jesus heard the news, he went off by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed by land from many villages. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat 
and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus in his human form was grieved when he learned of John the Baptist's death. He sought out solitude and needed to be alone. And there are times when we want to grieve the death of a loved one alone. And this is perfectly okay for a season, but not forever. Likewise, Jesus didn't dwell upon John's death and was able to return to his purpose that he came to earth to fulfill his ministry. So Jesus, as we can see, is full of mercy, kindness, grace, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. He wants us to openly share with him what's weighing upon our hearts. If you feel your prayers are not being answered or delayed, keep on knocking, asking, and seeking Christ. Persistence pays off. Remember the persistent widow? The unbelieving judge finally granted her request because she was so darn persistent. Tenacity pays, and we are to be devoted and even relentless in our pursuit of Jesus. When we're alert in prayer, we express our faith that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will answer us. We shift into an exuberant expectation, and God is always present, listening, always answering, maybe not exactly as we expect or want, but in the ways that He knows are ultimately the best. And here is awesome news. Resurrection Sunday is this Sunday, April 9th. He has risen. He is risen indeed. So friends, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not chance it on being elsewhere, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into my heart and take up residence. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can transform and renew your mind and get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. And let me be the first one to congratulate you on this awesome decision that you just made. Congratulations and God bless you. And before you go out today, let me give you this benediction prayed over you. It comes from the priest Aaron, who was Moses' brother. It's out of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays, so tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. 
and much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes and Noble or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone else who might be interested in this material, please share it with them as well. And until next time, friends, be blessed.